Hey everyone, I'm Keith Harrington, this is Brandon Morse, and we're excited to talk a little bit more about the announcement we made last week. We're launching a Rock Harbor multi-site hub venue, and we're blessed to have Brandon Morse, whom we love, uh, leading us in that. Yeah, and I'm so excited, so humbled, um, and just pumped to be part of a team that's going to be bringing Rock Harbor right here uh, to the hub, and it's been a journey. I mean, that's what's cool, is to be able to look back um, on all the years of Rock Harbor, the past six years, and just watch where we've gone. We launched um, a new church uh, two years ago, yeah. Stonehill Church on the other side of the freeway, um, but now we get to bring Rock Harbor right here and create the Rock Harbor culture um, right here in the hub, and it's it's awesome to be part of them. I mean, it really is, excited. and we love you, and we're excited for your leadership, but I'll also know God's building an incredible staff team around you. Um, we're going to have somebody that's uh, leading worship. We'll have somebody directing, leading children's ministry. Uh, we'll also have uh, somebody leading within guest services. And we love that team. I mean, this this hub venue is going to be right in this room. It'll be a video message. It'll be live music, a full our kids uh, children's ministry. Uh, when does this all start happening? So this is all going down right here, October 21st. That's the first launch service. Um, but before that, we've got some gatherings for, for leaders and volunteers. We've got some vision nights. Um, for people to come to. So be looking at some of those dates um, that we want you here. We're believing that this place is going to be packed um, with you and with people that maybe you've never even experienced Rock Harbor yet before. Um, and we're excited for what this is going to be and making space for people at Rocky. The reason why we're doing this is to reach one more person with the message of Jesus. See, we're founded on the rock. We're a harbor, a safe place for people to come into, but also to go out and seek and save those who don't yet know Jesus. And so it's about making space. So we're going to make a big ask. We're asking for people to attend the 815 or attend the noon service, especially if you go to that 930, that 1045. We need to make room in that. Also, there's going to be opportunities to sign up uh, to be part of this specific hub venue core team. And so be on the lookout for information. And thank you so much for making this step with us. It's going to be incredible. Imagine if your dining room table could talk. What stories would it tell? What memories would it share? Think about the ones who have sat around that table. The ones you love. Friends. Family. All those joyful memories. The early mornings and the late nights. The hard conversations. The life-changing decisions. All around that table. What about the people who haven't yet sat at that table? The ones in search of community. Those around you every day that could soon be part of that table's story. Community happens best face-to-face, side-by-side, around a table. We all need community. We all long to belong. And you belong here. Well, yes, you do belong here. And we've been talking for the last three weeks about that. And I love community groups and when we're talking about them, we're inviting people to them because I just feel the, the church being stirred up. I feel people being called in and inviting, invited into community. I love what Brandon and Lene and their community groups team, the group leaders, um, just the lining out people. And I want you to know, like, it's a little bit challenging because there's lots of you. And when you sign up and, and all that, you're kind of like herding cats a little bit, you know, um, which is almost like, uh, it sounds like I called you a bad name. Uh, don't mean to be derogatory because y'all my dogs, you know, um, but we get the opportunity to, to really take that step into community. And so 
or we're asking like, hey, fill those out today. So if anybody's looking down during the message, I'm going to assume that you're taking really good notes from a really good sermon um, or you're signing up for a group. And so please, please uh, be doing that. We're going to be in Acts 2 and Acts 11. So if you have your phones, you have your Bibles, you can turn there. There's also some notes in the program uh, that goes along with what we're talking about today, which is belonging. We all long to belong. And we're going to talk about gathering and scattering uh, around and from the table. In Acts 2, there's a key word that's mentioned multiple times, and it's the word devoted. And so we're going to get to that. But you've probably heard that term if you've been at Rock Harbor uh, more than two weeks. Our mission statement is we want to love and lead one another to be devoted followers of Jesus. And so that's the first blank there in your notes. And some of you, you already knew the answer, so you wrote it in, and you get extra credit, and you can have an extra otter pop out at the out of the, the block party. Um, but we want to we love one another, love and lead one another to be devoted followers of Jesus. Acts 2 verse 40 kicks off like this. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. So Peter is the one that's preaching this message and, and he is, it's been recorded and Peter's a man that, that followed God. And in fact, now we look and we know that he wrote a couple books that are now in the Bible and God's using him in an amazing way to communicate to an entire group of people, people of different languages and, and different backgrounds and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people are coming to Jesus. And I see one key thing here. I think it comes down to, and with many other words, meaning he preached a long message. Some versions of the Bible say, and he continued to speak. And so for all you guys that are like, Keith, you spoke 34 minutes instead of 32. I just want you to know, glory to God. We want to see people come to Christ. Longer the message, the more people come to Jesus. I'll say amen to myself. Amen. Okay. (laughs) Verse 42, and all the children's ministry said, "Uh uh-uh, bro. That's what they all said. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves and the apostles to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread and prayers. So this is where community begins to happen, okay? Many people are coming to Jesus. They're getting together, breaking bread, meaning they're having meals together. They're fellowshipping. You're having conversations. And they're studying the apostles' teaching. This word devoted, when it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, it's proskartario. Proskartario is where the word comes from in Greek. What we need to know when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, that they were committing themselves to what Jesus taught. The apostles were people who walked with. They were eyewitnesses. They were live in the room, in the community, with Jesus, walking alongside the disciples. And so now they're apostles. They're teaching. An apostle is someone who was with Jesus. Uh, Paul is also an apostle because Jesus appeared to him. But they're eyewitnesses of what's going on. They're not preaching their own gospel. It's not just this apostle teaching. They're making up stuff, and it sounds good, and people are going, oh, that's good. No, it's not that at all. They're simply sharing the words and the works of Jesus Christ. What had taken place as Jesus was here on this earth, as he died on the cross, he ascended to heaven. They're recounting them th- these things. So when it says this group of people devoted themselves to their teachings, they're just simply following Jesus. That's what they're doing. Proscartario, when it, the word devoted, proscartario, which comes not from our mission statement, but from scripture, it means to persist, to persevere, to show steadfast strength and consistency in spite of difficulties. The reason I'm bringing this up and the reason I want to talk about devotion is because commitment and devotion in our day and time in our culture is different than it used to be. Okay. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say this. We'll try it for a season. And they're talking about 
Keto, try it for a season. They're talking about something else. I'll try it for a season. Hey, would you want to try, you know, would you want to be in our bowling league? You know, I'll try it for a season. And we think beginning and end time where we control when we start it and we control when we stop. When you look at devoted, according to scripture, pro Terio, it is like, Lord, you are mine. You're my alpha. You're my omega. You call the shots. You're, you began the good work in me, the beginning. You're going to be faithful till the day of Christ Jesus to complete it, that this isn't a commitment for a season. In fact, when these disciples committed their lives to Jesus Christ, when these followers of Jesus, they were radically persecuted. Okay, this wasn't something simple. This was like their life was on the line. So when we think about devotion, when we hear about this devotion, this proscar terio, we got to know it means like endurance, no matter what comes down the pike, no matter what is in our life, it's enduring consistency consistently you know our our mission or our 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 annual kind of theme for the year is give me faith well that sounds really good because anybody in a church or anybody anywhere you know you just got to have a little more faith got to have faith the faith the faith and everybody can say hey that's it like people over 40 got that um but we see hey we we all need a little bit more faith well what this bible's saying here and what we know is it's a growing enduring faith so as a church, our, our theme for the year is not just give me faith, but give me a growing, enduring. And growing and enduring is where it's at. It means even in suffering, even in persecution. Proscartario. That's the kind of devotion that's being called out of these disciples, these followers of Jesus. Keith, why are you going off on that? Because I wanted to. If you don't like it, go to the 815. Um, but devote yourselves to that. Verse 43, pray about it. Um, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. I love it. It uses that word common, which is where we get the word community. It's common unity. They had all things in common. It didn't mean they agreed with everything. When you look at the Greek and what it's saying, it's saying that they were in unity together. They were in step. Not perfect, but they had this common unity amongst each other. They were gathering together. They were, they were together when they witnessed these awes, these miracles, like God coming and doing an amazing thing. Verse 45, they were selling their possessions, their belongings, and distributing all the proceeds to all as any had need. What happens when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and then you commit to community? Your arms naturally open up and you say, whatever I've been given comes down from God and I want to share it. See, as a church, we want to be known by the way that we pray, but we also want to be known by the way what we give away. We want to be generous. We don't want to keep for ourselves so we can have our stuff. Rather, the gospel is so much bigger than any one church, and so we want to have open hands to that, and that's what we're seeing. They were meeting the needs, and I've seen that take place within community groups at Rock Harbor. Once somebody steps in and people know their life, they know the needs, a need can be met. But until a group of people, until someone else knows that there's a need, it's not been expressed In community, we feel safe enough that we can express that we have a need. And it's saying these needs are being expressed. And what are they doing? They're breaking bread. They're spending time together. They're devoted to the teaching. Community groups are happening. Churches are being built in houses. And they're meeting the needs of one another. Last year, we had Love Week as part of our community groups. And we'll have those as as the year goes on. And Love Week, people are serving, over a 1,000 people serving throughout our community, doing amazing acts of service for neighbors, for widows, for uh, different foster care things, lots of things throughout our city. And one thing we did as a whole as a church is we we filled an entire semi-truck, 100,000-plus meals for Feed My Starving Children. And it got shipped across the globe. I don't know exactly where that truck went. But I know this, 
My friend who was a missionary in another country, his ministry got one of those trucks. They were videoing it. People were going crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to be part of that. People coming to hear the message of Jesus because the generosity of some crazy people up in Idaho that took a Saturday and put hairnets on and went in and just simply served and then financially gave for it to take place. That's what generosity looks like. It's not just who's at my table. It's saying, I'm going to step away from the table. I'm going to meet the needs at other tables and other spaces and people that are outside the restaurant, outside the building, on the street, been through lots of things to say, hey, let's come in and hear the message of Jesus. And I'm going to extend not just my hand, but my hand full of the grace and the love and the gifts that God has given us. Okay, keep going, Keith. Number 46, verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. It said they received their food with glad and generous hearts. How can you be generous when you receive something? Because they were part of preparing it. They were part of paying for it. They were part of giving to one another. They praised God. They had favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You're watching multiplication take place because a generous heart, because a generous spirit. You know, our vision at Rock Harbor is to gather, scatter, and matter. You know what? We want to gather on Sundays. We gather on Sundays. Adult environment, what's going on in this room, those that are watching online, this is a gather opportunity that if you're not here, you can always check out online to stay connected to that. Our student ministry meets our high schools tonight, middle school at the second and the fourth service throughout the day. They meet in a gather environment. Our kids are currently in a large group environment. They're singing songs. They're hearing a large group teaching, but with the goal to do what? To scatter to groups. We gather on Sunday to scatter to groups, that each one of these environments have groups. This, we don't have a group that follows uh, at the 12 o'clock. If that was the case, we'd be on the football field, okay? Okay, we'd be spread out or out. So we do that throughout the week that works better with schedules. It works as an opportunity for people to come in and invite people and come into a home that's more relational rather than just simply in a corner and huddled up. But we, we gather on Sunday so that we can scatter to groups with the goal of mattering for eternity, and this was a line is really drawn, okay? To matter for eternity means I'm going to invest my time, my treasure, my talent in Rock Harbor Church specifically, but also to see the gospel that's bigger than any one church go throughout the world. Because we want to let our life be that light. It's saying, I'm investing my life in this body. I'm investing my life for the eternity of other people. We do this in unity with one another. You know, as much as we have a mission statement and a vision statement, I'm sharing all this with you guys today because we have to remember it because vision leaks, right? We have to always revisit what we're about. We can't just put like a, a slogan on a wall or on a website and then kind of it's not really happening down the hall. You know what I'm saying? We have to continue to talk about it. You know, Satan has a vision. He has a mission statement. Paul calls that out in Ephesians 4, 14. You don't have to turn there. We've got it right on the screens. He calls it out. Paul, first thing he says is, so that we would no longer be children. He's saying, don't be children in the faith. You need to grow past it because guess what? Here's what Satan desires to do to you. He wants to toss you to and fro by the waves that are carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunningness, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. He wants you to not be rooted. He doesn't want you in community. He wants you to be isolated. So when the winds come, when the waves come, you don't have the roots to be able to withstand it. He wants you to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. And you would say, oh, I would never accept a false doctrine. I'd never chase after a cult. I'd never follow religious rather than, than relationship. I never would possibly do that. 
But you know what we do? We go after ourselves and we start to worship the things that make us feel good. So we would say I wouldn't follow some wave and wind of, of doctrine, really. So when this human craftiness comes in, when these deceitful schemes come in, when the cra- craftiness, not craftiness, craftiness comes into your life, Satan's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You don't even know it's there, but it's there. And you've become the prey. Satan desires to divide us. He desires to isolate us. You know, he tried to do it with the early church. We just read about chapter 2 and the momentum that's going. By chapter 11, the believers are being scattered because of persecution. Chapter 11, verse 26. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except for the Jews. It says because of the persecution, they're being persecuted. These Christ followers are being forced out. They're being forced out of their churches. They're being forced out of their city. They're getting scattered to all these different places. All they've got is their faith and a few friends. They're being persecuted, like literal, their literal life on the line, to be tortured. Many of them crucified upside down, drugged to death, beheaded. This is real persecution. Their lives are being threatened. Persecution in our day and time? They didn't like my status. Not that they said something negative, but they didn't like it. Persecution in our day and time. Well, when I said that, they kind of looked at me a certain way. It's persecution, man. I'm being persecuted for Jesus. No, they, they didn't have a proper look on their face. They had gas. They, I mean, it could be a list of a lot of different things. It's true. People, it does happen. Um, but we think that everybody is going to cheer us on in everything that we do. And the reality is, is there was these individuals that were choosing the way, the way of Christ, that were being completely shunned by their families. They lost their employment. They lost any provision that they would have for the future. It wasn't like one person in the family and the whole person followed off, the whole family followed. Often they were off by themselves. They were isolated. They were being scattered, but their gathering brought them together. It built momentum that the church began to boom. Listen to this. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who were coming to Antioch. They spoke to the Hellenists there also, preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And here we go. You're going to hear this multiple times. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. See, what Satan meant for evil, God used for good. See, Satan's trying to scatter them around. Hey, let's threaten their lives. Let's try to take from them. Let's scare off the gospel. No, they're building momentum. They're going, okay, you want to push us out of Cyprus and Cyrene? We go to Antioch. We go to, we're going to go all these other places, Tarshish. There's Jerusalem. We're going all these different places because what Satan meant for evil, God is going to use for good. And a great number who believe turned to them. This is a result of scattering. The report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And then they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad. He exhorted them and all remained faithful to the Lord with a steadfast purpose, steadfast, the same word as devoted, 
which means to endure regardless of the odds. He was steadfast in purpose, for he was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of faith. And once again, a great many people were added to the Lord. They weren't good enough with the first many. Now it's on to the next many. Because All this because they were scattered. They continued to build momentum. So, And I'm spitting everywhere. My Bible has it all over it. So Barnabas went to Tarsus. He took he looked for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church. They taught a great many people. And Antioch, the disciples, were first there called Christians. This is where it's at. This gets me pumped up because what Satan meant for evil, God turned to good. Satan wants to scatter and isolate. And because of community, one and two and three people, the next thing you know, it multiplies because once we've found the favor, once we've found the love of God, we share the love of God. We don't keep a gift for ourselves; We share it with others. It stirs us up. And for a whole year, they assembled together as a church. They taught many people. They were a harbor. They were a safe place to come into. And the disciples would gather and they would meet with people. And sometimes they have to do it privately behind closed doors. They'd, they had to do it because their life was on the line, but it stirred up. You cannot snuff out the flame of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's been tried. It's been tried. It's been tried. And guess what happens? Revival breaks out. He is the almighty. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And they don't stop. They're founded on the rock. They're a harbor, a safe place for people to come into. They go out. They seek and save those who are lost. They're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that's coming while they're out at sea because they're in community. And they come back with souls and lives nurtured. Souls and lives changed. Eternity mattering for the lives of people. That's what it means to be a harbor. How many of you guys have paintballed? A few of us? Yeah, Curtis, you're a big target, bro. We paintballed with you one time. You tried to get behind that thing. I saw about 84% of you. I don't think I shot you because I'm getting old. But I used to paintball, okay? And as a youth pastor, we would go out. You know how you win in paintball? You pick the teams, okay? That's how you win in paintball, okay? That's the best strategy, okay? The students used to think I was good. I'm like, nah, I'm not good. I just know how to pick teams, right? And I'll be honest with you. I might have dialed my gun up a little bit for a few of those students. Because uh, they did it, uh, and, and their their parents probably weren't raising them quite right. So I wanted to just help them come to Jesus quicker. And so we go out, we play these games, we play paintball, and and a strategy with paintball, you got to gather for when you scatter. You gather together, you talk about your strategy. You say, hey, you go over here, you're on the offense, you're on the defense. Here's what we're doing. You make a plan. If that doesn't work, you curl up in the fetal position and pray. Right? You just go. You don't you don't just run out. You know how to lose at paintball. You just scatter around. You scatter around, and you know what's, what happens when you play paintball with seventh graders? You get shot by your own team a lot. Yeah. Like anything that moves is a target. It's like, pow, pow. You're like, oh, dial it up. Boom. Oh, sorry. I thought you were on the other team, bro. My bad. You can, I mean, you have to have a strategy behind it. It has to be a purpose behind it. And the same thing is true with the church. We have to have a strategy. We have to have a vision. We have to have a purpose. There's got to be a reason why we do what we do. We've been talking about this table. We've been talking about what does it mean to to gather around the table? What does it mean to belong? What I didn't realize when I, 13 years ago, I talked about this same and similar principle that I had to share with you. So my kids were like, they're like 14 and 15 now. You can hear my daughter in the background 
chirping away. Mom's on a vacation. She was, she was out of town. And so I thought, what a better idea than to shoot a video for church. Uh, please ignore the sideburns and the cargo pants. But here's the Harrington household 13 years ago. High chairs are a funny thing if you think about it. My boys, they, uh, they'll keep eating as long as we keep bringing the food over. And uh, that's not necessarily the healthiest thing. A high chair, you kind of sit here and you eat and you just dangle your feet, not getting any exercise and just filling your face full of food. Which is fun, but it doesn't mean it's the most healthy thing. You know, uh, you can also think of the high chair as the eye chair. It's kind of about you when you're in it. And you're like, you know, I want some more taquitos. I want some more nuggets. I want some more macaroni and cheese or peaches or whatever might be the special for the day. And it kind of becomes about you. You know, the goal of raising children is to get them to the point where they graduate from the high chair and you move these wonderful things to the garage or to a yard sale or whatever it might be. <laughs> Kiki, we're doing a video here. What I was trying to say is there comes a point when we graduate from the high chair to the table. And once at the table, a lot of great things go on. We spend time talking to people, we eat food, and then we go about our lives. On spiritual terms, you guys want to do this? Okay. Well, on spiritual terms, I kind of see the table as the church. Serves some great things, maybe donuts or something like that. No, but spiritually, the church serves some great spiritual food. You spend time fellowship and talking with people. But there comes a point where you've got to go about your business. And the food isn't just for consumption's sake, because if we do that, then we come just like the children in the high chair that won't quit eating. And that's unhealthy as well. But the goal is to consume the food, spend time in fellowship, to get up enough strength to push away from the table so that you can use that energy that you've gained in, to minister to other people's lives. My wife was gone. Um, the kids probably had like four meals that day um, and lots of fruit snacks. I can guarantee that. You know, when you think about the eye chair, you think about a high chair, when you're in it, you're the focus. You're focusing on what you want and you want to just keep the food coming, right? But there comes a point where you have to leave the high chair. You have to leave the table. This table here, think about it like this. We've got, if we're just sitting around it, and we're gathering and we're just thinking of ourselves. The goal, as I talked a couple weeks ago, is to push away from the table to go serve one another. To push away, to provide as that beginning church. They were providing for one another, meeting one another's needs. And they received it with gracious and generous hearts. They were thankful for what had happened. But if we sit here and say, hey, what's in it for me? And, and what, what, I, you know what I want? I want an all-you-can-eat buffet. I want a little bit of everything. When you make a little bit of everything, you don't make very much of anything good, Right? And so what I see as the church, we could say, you know what, I want this program because this works for my kids and I really like it and I love it. And I, I think we need this program too because it'll work for those who are a little, little bit older and we want this program. And you know what, the church I used to attend, they had this. Oh my gosh, it was one of the best things I've ever seen. We should probably do that. You know, we, I would like this too. If, if we could do that, that would really, I mean, we could get more people to gather if we do this program. Next thing you know, we got eight and 10 and 20 and 30 different things sitting around. And we got an all-you-can-eat buffet. It's, it's done at a level of, Okay, um, but at least we all get the things that we would desire and want. And I just want you to know at Rock Harbor, we like, we serve like two things. We serve like two things and we just focus on serving two things. 
The first thing we serve is groups. We serve up groups. It's about getting into community. It's getting in a group. So when you hear us talk about re-engage, re-engage is not a program. That's a, a ministry we have for marriages, people that want to take their marriages from, a, from an 8 to a 10. Those that are like, I, my marriage is probably an 11, but I want to get it to a 14. No one likes those people. Like, congratulations, you have a perfect marriage. Nobody likes you, and you're probably lying, okay? <laughs> but for the rest of us, that they're like, hey, I'm a 5 out of... 14. Um, we need help. Our marriage is in trouble. Like we are in trouble. We create a group environment. We create a group called grief share and we share the things, the hard times that we've been through. Reengage large gathering moves into groups. Student ministry, large gathering, moving into group. Children's ministry, large gathering moves into groups. Everything is groups. That's the first play we run. The second play we run, groups. We do more groups, okay? That's the second play. If the first play doesn't work, we run the second play, and it's groups. And you would say, don't we do serving around here? Yeah, but we do it in groups. We serve in teams. We don't work alone. We create communities. So when you have a setup team, people get to know each other. You serve on the same weeks. These worship teams, oftentimes, they're spending time together. They're spending time in between services when I'm blah, 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 blah. They're getting to know one another. They serve in groups. I'm not saying serving is community groups. But communities formed. You say, hey, how do I get connected at a large church? Get in a group. Our desire is that everyone would get in a group. We want to grow larger and smaller at the same time. But we have to push away from the table. We gather with the purpose of scattering into groups. We push away from the table. You know how you can define spiritual maturity? People that have an other's focus. Not pleasing of people, but rather the serving of people. You know, Acts 20, 11, 26, I read it earlier quickly, but I want to read it again. It says, for a whole year, they met with the church and they taught a great many people. For in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. See, they were called Christians in Antioch because they gathered. But you can be called a Christian today because they scattered. That was good. They were called Christians because they gathered. You can be called a Christian because they scattered. You know that there are lives waiting in the balance of an invitation? People that simply need to be invited to something, people that need to be connected in. But if we're worried about our table and just creating an all-you-can-eat buffet, we're going to have some very, very, very well-fed people that are not going to be spiritually healthy. We have to get out and build the muscles, build the perseverance that it takes to get up. And yes, come back and have community, but create community for other people. You have been given the gospel so you would go with the gospel. You know what growing is? Growing is going. If we are really growing and we call ourselves followers of Jesus, then we will be going with the message of Jesus Christ. You know, we've been blessed with a new family to Rock Harbor. They're named the Sledges. And, and I didn't even know who they were until they were already in community. And they were willing to share their story with us. They're relatively shy and they're from Georgia, but they're the darndest, sweetest people that I've about met. I'm Cale. This is Claire. We're the Sledges. We've got three kids, Carter, who's six. Uh, a little boy named Charlie, who's four, and Kate, a little girl, who will be one on Friday. I sell farm equipment for a company called Agco, supporting uh, agri-service. We met in college. We went to Georgia College and State University. It's in Milledgeville, Georgia, so the very middle of Georgia. We dated for five years. 
We got married in 2009 in Athens, Georgia. Go dogs. And we don't like Alabama. <laughs> After we graduated college, we got married um, and then bought our first house, had a few kids in Georgia. Um, we were very involved in our church in Georgia. Yep, then we got the call, an opportunity to move to Raleigh, North Carolina to uh, take a uh, sales manager position up there covering the Carolinas and Virginia. And so moving somewhere, didn't know anybody, but not too far from home. We're in North Carolina. We loved it. We were honestly, um, we were in the best neighborhood possible. We had so many friends. I was enjoying my job, enjoying the people I worked with, uh, enjoying what I was doing. It was working really well for our family. And uh, we just thought that was going to kind of be a uh, forever thing. Yeah, so the job's going really good in North Carolina. Got the call from a couple different people that, hey, we'd like for you to consider this position in Idaho, which we'd never been even to this part of the country. And what they wanted us to do, come out here, was a would have been a promotion, and it was a good opportunity for my career to grow. Not such a good opportunity, I don't think, on a personal level, because we, you know, we're so happy and comfortable in the southeast and close to family and had developed this, you know, friend community there in, in Raleigh. And I'm like... 30 weeks pregnant and you're asking me to move across the country and we don't know anybody this side of the Mississippi so I'm just like no we're not moving to Idaho <laughs> so we shut it down we're done and then a week later he comes back to me and he's like can we think about this one more time yeah the decision to to move to Idaho was was I would say the hardest decision I've ever made in my whole life didn't sleep for a couple weeks, didn't eat. I mean, it was it was pretty rough trying to make that right decision, but just felt like there was something pulling us out here, and uh, we got out here, and I started working immediately and started uh, and being trying to stay close to home with uh, a newborn baby coming due. And we were to the point where um, we were, in case there was an emergency and the baby were to have been born early, we didn't know what we were going to do. We were make, like making plans to bring the kids into the delivery room and what we would what we would do with that because we had nobody here. Yeah, I was super homesick trying to move into a house and unpack boxes, and I'm 36 or 7 weeks pregnant. I felt, um, you know, guilty because I was the reason that we moved here initially, you know, so there was a lot of... A lot of uh, initial guilt and, and wondering, are we doing this? You know, are we doing the right thing? And I wouldn't say homesick is the right word. It was just more of a missing what was comfortable. That's why, really, one of the reasons we jumped into Rock Harbor so soon, and you know, we just needed to meet people and be friends with people. Yeah, so we so we moved here in mid July, and uh, a couple weeks after being here, we started hearing about time to sign up for community groups. Even though we had just had a baby, you know, just getting our feet on the ground here, um, we went ahead and signed up for a community group. I'm so thankful that we did. Um, our first night, it was so refreshing. It was so nice to see, you know, nice people and they seemed to care about us and, you know, want to talk to us and want to help us. And It was a weight lifted off my shoulders, a little bit of, you know, could have sit down and have a conversation with somebody who acted like that they really cared about what was going on in our life and you know being a part of Rock Harbor being a part of our community group 
for the last year. It's given a sense of, honestly, a sense of family here. Um, our group that we've, we've become a part of and I feel like grown really close to both from a married couple standpoint and from an individual standpoint. Um, just the friendships we've developed just in the short last year um, has really given us a sense of family away from family. If I could go back and talk to myself a year ago before we were moving out here, I would just tell myself to just, just relax and just realize God's in control over this thing. Take a leap of faith and get out there and don't sit at home and be homesick. You know, get out, join a group, get involved, get involved in serving, get involved in men's groups, and, uh, and really just put yourself out there. How many of you guys are new to this community, new to this part of town, new to this state, whatever it would be in the last seven years? Okay, that's more than half in all of our services. Um, you belong here. God's brought you to this place. Some of you have found community here. It's been the thing that maybe connected you. For some, you've found a community. Some of you are guests here today. I just want you to know that maybe you've never committed a community group and you've never done anything like that. I want you to know that life is just better in community. It's better in community to hear their stories, see the journey they went through, the relationships that have been forged, and just to know, like, man, even with a job transfer and all that, and I know they're from Georgia, you know? It's like, usually you hear about another place that has a fruit that may be an orange or a strawberry, um, but they're from, like, the peach state, you know, and they're, they're here, and you just go, hey, you know what? You're great people, and you wear Carhartt, and you sell farm equipment. Like, I like you, Kale. You're like my kind of guy. You're almost Kansan is how, how much I like you. Um, but being able to see how God has brought them in and community around them. But guess what? We've been called to build believers. And as excited as I am about seeing them come and be part of it, we're also called to serve seekers. And in that community, we serve those who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ. To build believers, to serve seekers, life and community, bottom line, is just better. You know, I talked about that man named Peter who we know has written some books that are now in our Bible and uh, was an apostle and he spoke that killer message and people were coming to Jesus and it was just absolutely crazy, like only God. And he, he's called Peter, which means Petros, which means the rock. It's like rock harbor. I mean, rock Peter, you know, it's like this dude, it's happening. You know what happened in the last hours of Jesus's life? Jesus said, you're going to deny me, Peter. And he said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to deny you. Maybe Judas, maybe, maybe some, I'm not going to deny you. There's no way. Guess what? He denied him three times. They came to him and said, are you one of them? Are you a disciple? Are you one of them? And he said, no, I'm not. I don't even know who they are. And his last time, he used foul language to say, I am really, really not with them. Beep, de, beep, de, beep, de, beep. And then he fell. Guess what? A lot of us in our life, we have failures. Many of us don't get up from them. But you know who gets up from them? people in community. Because that community got together. That community went and saw the uh, crucifixion take place. That community got together and all of a sudden, like Jesus is appearing after he rose from the dead. And they're like, what? And Thomas is like, there's no way. And they're like, yeah, seriously. And they're like, wow. Like, Jesus, you come back and look at the nail 
scars in my hand and look at my side. And they're like, oh my gosh, he has actually resurrected. And what do they do? They didn't just stay there and go, this is so great. Let's tell that same story again. Hey, hey, you tell it this time. Let's all just keep telling the same, same story. This 11 of us that are left. And even Peter, you denied him, but you come in here and you play and you tell that story. No, they went to other places. They were scattered. They didn't just keep it here. They went to Marsing. They went to other places. They went to Mountain Home. They went to Eagle. They went all over the place. And they said, how do we scatter in community? And how can we be the light in the life of Jesus Christ? We've been given a gift of the gospel. You know, I've heard a couple of three sentence or three word sentences over time in my life in community. I've heard it's okay when I've been struggling. I've heard, how are you? Not the one when you say, how are you? Or they ask that question, like, what have you been up to? And you say, good. You know, and then you just keep walking, like, see you next Sunday. You know, no, like, how actually are you doing? I've heard I'm sorry when something has happened. And it's like, you know what? I'm sorry for letting you guys down. I can't believe I did that. I apologize. Will you forgive me? I'm here for you. That's like four, but we're Rock Harbor. And sometimes we don't count well. <laughs> Pass the brownies. Pass the brownies. You know, you're late again, (laughs) you know, but I've heard these statements and it invites you into a relationship. See, in community, we get the privilege of being God's grace to one another. We get the privilege of being God's grace to each other because we've been called to gather with the purpose of scattering. We gather to scatter. We leave the table. We push away from the table. 